Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Let me start with a scripture. Matthew 24 and verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. What a wonderful piece of advice. Has anyone ever been deceived? I've been deceived. I remember driving, I was in England and I was uh, in the London area and I wanted to visit one of our church members who was at Bible school at Karras Bible School. And so I looked it up on the internet and I put the address in, into my SAT navigation system in my car. I, I had hired a car with a sat nav and I put it in and I drove and it took me two and a quarter hours and all the time I was feeling so good. I was feeling so excited about seeing Colin and uh, just about the joy of serving the Lord and that he was studying God's word and that we were going to pray together and I was imagining the joy of seeing Colin and I arrived at the Bible school and I walked in all confidently and feeling a bit proud of myself and said my member is at your Bible school please can I see Colin and they looked at me with a slightly confused look and they were trying to be very nice and they looked up through their lists and they phoned a couple of people and they phoned some other places and they looked at some other lists and they came back and they said we're very sorry but we have no one called Colin here maybe he's at the other Bible school up in the other city, Walsall. So I thought, oh my, have I made a mistake? Have I been deceived? And I had been. For all of those two and a quarter hours, I'd been driving thinking I was going to the right destination, but I was going to the wrong one. I was deceived. I had messed it up myself. Nobody had deceived me. I had chosen the wrong place. Recently, a politician from Jersey arrived in Budapest. Do you remember the story? He arrived in Budapest thinking he was going to a big important meeting. He booked his flight and he got on his plane and he'd flown to Budapest imagining, hey, I'm going to meet some other politicians. There's going to be some important stuff discussed. And when he arrived, there was nothing. Nobody knew anything about what he was talking about. So he phoned his office. He said, what's going on? They looked it up and they said, it's supposed to be Bucharest, not Budapest. He'd gone to the wrong place. Those are silly little deceptions. But how many of us know that deceptions can cost you a lot of money, a lot of pain, and even your life? And actually, the problem in the world, I believe, is deception. Where people think reality is one thing, but they're wrong. Reality is something else. And because of this, they either pay with their lives, or they pay with their money, or they pay with emotional pain. And unfortunately, sometimes we have been silly, and we are deceived because of our own error. But other times, there are other people trying to deceive us, aren't there? And the Bible speaks about deception a lot. Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. In at least seven other places in the Bible, maybe more, it says, do not be deceived. It's a command, which means, good news, if it's a command, we can do it. I remember talking to a very wise pastor when I was a young Christian. 
and we were discussing the Bible and various things and we were talking about a teaching that was wrong and that it was leading many people astray. And I said to him, they've been deceived. Somebody has lied to them. Somebody has taken them off track. They're the victims and there's an evil deceiver taking them off track. And he said, that's true. He was a very wise man. He said, that's true, but no one is deceived without their involvement. And it just started me thinking, hmm. And so today what I want to talk about is self-deception. Is that okay? What is self-deception? Self-deception is not that somebody is giving you the wrong information. The information coming in is correct, it's real, it's true. But the problem is once it gets into my own mind, I change it. Sometimes unknowingly I change it and I am deceiving myself so that I think something is true when it's not true. But the problem is not from the outside coming in, it's inside me. And the Bible uses this phrase, deceiving yourself, five times in the New Testament. And I want to look at these today. And then I want to look at five, at least five solutions to self-deception. And I believe it's going to help you. I was doing maths homework with my son a few years ago. And we were putting the numbers into the calculator, but the answer that was coming out was wrong. And I could tell it was wrong because I had a ballpark idea of what the answer should be, but it was just way out. And the problem was, it was one of these newfangled calculators, scientific something or other calculator, where you have to put it in the right mode for the type of calculation that you're doing. There's a little button called mode, and you do shift mode, and you can choose between fixed and standard and degrees and radians and financial and all these different ways. And if it's in the wrong mode, it will give you the wrong answer. You're putting the right numbers in, but a wrong answer is coming out. How many of us are living life self-deceived? We're in the wrong mode and the right information can go in, but we seem to end up on the wrong road to the wrong place, even though the information is correct. And the problem with deception, please hear me now, is that if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. You don't even know. You're blissfully unaware. You're going along in life thinking you're getting the right answers. And Jesus said, be careful, don't be deceived. Amen. So it's going to help you today. The first way we deceive ourselves, which I'm not going to speak about at length today, because I did a sermon about this a few weeks ago. I don't know if you remember it, it's called thankfulness, where the Bible says that if we're not thankful, our minds become darkened and we get what's called a depraved mind. In other words, the mode of your brain has been switched from what it should be to this other mode called depraved, where no matter what information goes in, it gets twisted and the wrong answer comes out and you can't think straight because the Bible says in Romans 1, because you were not thankful. So that's the first one. It's just an easy one because we've already covered it a couple of weeks ago. If you didn't see it, you can look it up on leadinglightsnetwork.com. 
and on the TV section or in the main section, you'll be able to find that sermon called Thankfulness. But Romans 1.21 says this, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, they became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And then verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. So the first easy one, we can tick this off straight away, is if you are not being thankful in every circumstance and for everything, if you're not being a thankful person, if you're a grumbler, a complainer, a victim, a whiner, uh, uh, a negative person, if you're not thanking God for everything, what happens is you've deceived yourself. You've changed the mode of your calculator brain and whatever information goes in, the wrong answer comes out. And that's an easy solution. Just thank Him. Amen? Just thank Him. You say, I don't feel like thanking Him. Just get yourself going. You know, do a bit of manual cranking. You know, in the old days when cars wouldn't start, there was a, a little crank you could put into the front and you could wind up the motor and get your car started. You can start your brain up in the right mode easily. You just say, thank you, God. Even through gritted teeth, thank you, God. <laughs> King David sometimes didn't feel like thanking God, but he told his soul. He said, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your... He started the crank going. Amen? So the first one is that. But now we're going to look at some verses. James chapter 1. Verse 22 says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 1.22. I'm going to read the verses before and after in a moment. But... James 1.22 says this, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So that verse is saying, if I hear the Bible, and I choose to treat it like an interesting theoretical piece of information, rather than something that is supposed to change my life. If I look at it as a... As an, um, a, a distant viewer. Oh, that's interesting, but it's not for me. It's, mm, that's something for me to judge and think about and, and consider, but it doesn't change my life. I switch the mode of the calculator in my brain without even knowing it, and suddenly I'm deceiving myself, and everything that comes in gets turned, and it no longer produces the right answer. Let me read the whole passage to you, starting from verse 21. Therefore, Lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be humble and receive the word. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. 
This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. He says, it's like going to the mirror, but you say, whatever that mirror says, that's not my face. I'm looking at someone else's face. Imagine that. Imagine how crazy that would be. Imagine you wake up and you're getting ready for an event or to go out and you look in the mirror and it tells you your hair is just gone wild. Your face is dirty. You got a bit of drool still from the night before coming down your face. Your clothes are ruffled. Uh, you've got issues with the way you look. And you look in that mirror and you say, that person looks crazy, but I'm fine. We would say they're a bit silly in the head. And yet he says, every time you study the Bible thinking of it like a theory, instead of a mirror that's telling you about yourself, you're changing the mode to self-deception mode. Another verse that's like this is 1 John 1 verse 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If I read something or I hear a sermon and it's talking about me and I somehow convince myself that's not relevant, that's not important, I don't need to change, that's not a mirror telling me about myself, that's just a theory or that's just an interesting story, I deceive myself. So we talked about thankfulness. The second one is looking in God's word and treating it like a theory instead of something that applies to us. I'm, I have been guilty of this. Have you? I have. I've been guilty of this. And you know what happens? Because deception is so subtle, you don't realize, but your mode has been changed and you think you're still going along the good, happy path. And you're wondering why the results that are coming out don't match up with what you're expecting. And the problem is you're deceived. And deceived means you don't know you're deceived. You don't know, how did I get on this wrong road to this wrong city? That's how. You looked in the God's word. It said something about you. And somehow you convince yourself, that's not for me. That's not applicable. And boom, the mode changes to degrees radians or something. And the answer comes out wrong. We can fix this. The fact that Jesus says again and again, do not be deceived, means you can obey that and you can get out of this. We can say, Lord God, I'm sorry for treating your word as a theoretical mirror instead of the true mirror of my life. And God, from now on, I care about what your word says. And I am thankful that when you show me something that needs to be fixed, you give me the power and the blessing to fix it. Amen. Right, next one, Galatians. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So he's saying, if you see somebody else sinning, what do you do about it? And there's two options. The one option is you get all proud and you think he's an evil sinner. I'm the good one. 
Or the second option is you restore them with a spirit of gentleness, realizing that you are also a sinner, and there by the grace of God go you. Amen? So listen to what he says. I'll read that verse again. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. There's that little phrase. What he's saying is pride. Pride changes the way your brain calculates. Pride changes the way you perceive information and the conclusions you come to. If you think yourself to be something more or different to what you really are, you know there's an order of things in life, a pecking order. And you know what that pecking order is? God in three persons, all equal at the top. And yet, within that order, Jesus submits himself to God. The Holy Spirit submits himself to Jesus. Not because they're less than, but because they believe in order. That's the order. So there's God with voluntary submission. And then, there's people all in one line. All equal. No one better than anyone else. Just because your brother sins different to you, doesn't mean you are better than him. <laughs> Amen? And the problem is, when we get that order mixed up, I'm going to show you later, if you think you are better than another person, or you think God owes you something, that you've somehow lifted yourself, and that you, God owes you something, you've deceived yourself, you've changed the mode, and you're getting the wrong answers, and you don't even know it. And you think you're on the right track, but you're not. Let me read on. Galatians 6, verse 4. But let each man examine his own work. Then he will have rejoicing in himself in alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught uh, the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He's saying, let's just get a little bit of humility here and not compare ourselves to each other. Each one examine his own work. He will have rejoicing in himself and not in another. Each one shall bear his own load. We're not to be comparing ourselves. You know, if there are two beggars sitting on the side of a street and they are both completely poor, they just, they've got threadbare clothes on, they, they don't know where their next meal is coming from, they don't have any money. They don't have any means of getting money. And they're sitting there as poor as poor can be. Most of us would say, I feel desperately sorry for you, brother. And the two of you are both poor. But pride is where one of them looks at the other one. And he looks at himself. And he counts the number of holes in the other guy's trousers. And he says, he's got 21 holes in his trousers. I've got 20. I'm a better beggar. That is the ridiculous, ridiculousness of pride. Where I think I'm better than somebody else. 
And in God's view, we are all beggars. Amen? We are all as pitiful and penniless as each other. But God says, I will bless you. I will help you. And when I lift myself up and think I'm better than my brother, I've deceived myself. You know, pride is the big one. Uh, again and again, pride is, is brought out in the Bible as the thing that changes our thinking. And I, I wish I could go into all the detail of, maybe on another sermon I will, about how pride changes our thinking. But I just want to say to you that it all comes down to pride. When you think about thankfulness, the reason I'm not thankful is because I think I deserve more than I have. That's pride. When you think about the other one, about looking in the Bible and thinking it doesn't apply to me, the reason I think it doesn't apply to me is because of pride. When I judge another person, the reason I'm judging him is because I think I'm better. Pride is this drug that I take. And I think, because when I take it, I feel better than everyone else, I think that's reality, but I will come down off that drug one day. I will be faced with the reality of God's presence, and He will show me that I'm just the same as everyone else, and my pride will go away, and I will realize that for years, I've been living in a delusion called pride. And I want to tell you how we get out of self-deception and it's called humble yourself there are five scriptures in the bible where the phrase humble yourself is used and it's so significant because it says do it to yourself humble yourself and the reason it says humble yourself not ask god to humble you it doesn't say go to god and ask him to humble you or or take this method of prayer and it will humble you. Or do this and it will. It says humble yourself. The reason is because we've got ourselves into a self-delusion of pride. I got myself there by thinking I'm greater. By thinking that I'm better than you because you sin differently to me. I've got myself there so I need to humble myself to get myself out. And the five passages are not repeats of each other they are five separate passages that talk about humbling yourselves and i'm going to go through them very quickly now matthew 29 23 verse 9 do not call anyone on earth your father for one is your father he who is in heaven do not be called teachers for one is your teacher the christ but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The first is in titles. I delude myself and I get pride when I give myself a title or a position and I think I'm better than somebody else. You know, the word pastor is a verb. It's a doing word. It's not a noun or a title. Verb means I pastor, I shepherd, I love, I care. It's a doing word. It's not a title or a noun saying I have achieved a place of higher importance than someone else. And so when someone calls me Pastor Greg, often I will just say thank you because I assume they're saying that's the verb, that's the way that I live. But if I think they're using it as a title saying that I'm better than them, I say thank you, Teacher Mildred. 
just to show them that there's no difference. He says, don't call someone father, teacher, priest, higher than anyone else. You're all the same. Humble yourself and then let God exalt you. That's the first one, is titles. The next one, Luke 14. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, come up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. The second way is by trying to push ourselves forward. Trying to promote ourselves. Trying to get profile and make ourselves seen and more important. He says, no, do the opposite. Take a place lower than you think you should. Give place to others. Intentionally humble yourself and make yourself less in the eyes of other people because then God will lift you up. Let me put it another way. If you try and lift yourself up, you are self-deluded. You are walking in pride. You think something is true when it's not. But if God lifts you up, you're walking in truth. You are not self-deluded. First is titles. The second is self-promotion. The third one, Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers or even like this tax collector I fast twice a week I give tithes of all I possess and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner I tell you that this man the tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee was self-deluded because he thought in God's eyes he was better than other people. He thought he had some spiritual advantage because of good things that he had done. He fasted twice a week on a consistent basis for months and months. He tithed of every single thing he got. He thought he was more spiritually entitled. He thought God owed him something. He thought he was special. Can I plead with you, please, brother or sister? Don't be self-deceived by thinking you are spiritually special. I could speak about this a lot, but I don't have time right now. But just to say, the person who humbles themselves, who says, I am not spiritually special, God will lift me up. God will promote me. God will open a door. God will give me a chance to minister. I don't have something that's better than everyone else. I just have what God has given me, and I'm going to use it to the best, but I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to think I'm better than everyone else. If you think you're better spiritually than others, you are self-deluded. You're on a, a plane to Budapest instead of Bucharest. 
Second last, 1 Peter 5. Likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. And that is a scary little phrase that. The word resists there means sets himself up in battle array against. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be set up in battle array against me. Amen? And he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Grace means God makes up for our shortfalls. He forgives our sins. He gives blessing and power when I didn't deserve it. And the only difference is the one is proud and he's not submissive to other people. Whereas the other one says, I'm going to humble myself and be submissive. Even if the person who's in authority over me knows less than me. I'm going to honor and humble myself and obey them because that's what God's word says. I'm going to look through the person to the God above the person and I'm going to submit to them knowing that God puts authorities in place. And then he goes on to say, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So the fourth way we humble ourselves is by submitting to leaders and authorities. You know, in the traditional churches, I grew up in a traditional church, a, a denominational church. And there was this movement where a bunch of us got filled with the Holy Spirit and we started understanding the Bible, but the leaders of our churches did not know about being filled with the Spirit. And they didn't know about being baptized in water. And, and we thought, wow, we know more. We're the special ones. We will be in this church, but we'll be secret agents. Secretly just bringing people into the things of the Spirit and the things of God. And, and those leaders are ah, silly old men. What do they know? And I want to tell you, it led me to deception. I ended up in a place where I almost lost my faith because of pride. And if I just obeyed the Bible and submitted, and if you can't submit to your leaders, there is another church somewhere close by where you can, amen? Find it. But don't stay in a church where you're trying to subvert things because you're, you're deceiving yourself through pride. And then lastly, James chapter 4. So, so the fourth one was submitting to other people. If, if, you're not, if you have a problem with submitting to an authority, even if they're not the best person, but you know you're honoring God through it, then there's a good chance you're in self-deception. And then the last one is to do with the devil. James chapter 4, verse 6. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, therefore submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. If you're having problems with the devil, there is a good chance you're on a plane to Budapest instead of Bucharest, because you're in pride, and the devil will not leave you when you resist him, because you're in a, a weird delusion thinking that you're greater than you are. And the answer is submit. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Don't expect others to humble you. You speak lowly of yourself. You take the lower place. You submit to authorities. You make yourself low and say, God, I deserve nothing. You do it. You humble yourself 
and God lifts you up and you resist the devil and he flees from you. God gives grace to the humble. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.